Let's pray. Let's take a minute. Lord, we just want to come to you right now, and Lord, as, as, as David said, you don't speak any word needlessly or in vain. Um, we want to hear your word this morning. We want to hear what you are speaking to us. We want to hear, Lord, so give us ears to hear and give us hearts to receive, and uh, just open up your word to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, without a doubt, the question I've been asked the most, the most in almost 40 years of ministry runs something like this. I wish I knew what God wanted me to do. I just wish I knew what I'm supposed to do. What is God's will? What does he want me to do? I, you know, many of you have asked that question, and you know, you may be asking it right now. You know, you've, and, and many of you, you know, you've asked God, you've asked yourself, you've asked, you know, many of you have asked me, what does God want? And that's an important question because there's a lot that hinges on the answer. I mean, we make decisions every day, right? We make decisions every day, uh, uh, and, and we have to live with the decisions that we make. And we've all had to suffer the consequences for decisions that we've made that weren't wise, right? I mean, we all regret doing something, right? Sometimes it's a small thing. Like the time I was driving back from Florida... And uh, I got into southern Indiana, was hungry, it was about lunchtime, so I pulled into a truck stop, and I really wanted Chinese food. I really wanted Chinese food. So I went into this truck stop in southern Indiana, and for lunch, I got some General So's chicken that looked like it had been there maybe a day or two longer than it should have been. Now, I lived with the consequences of that decision for a day or two, and then I got over it. I've lived with that regret for a day or two, got over it. But then there's other decisions that we make that have longer-term consequences. Um, maybe you chose a career because you thought, you know, I can make a lot of money in that career. Uh, or, or there's been pressure from your family to go into this field or that field, and you get 10 years into it, and you think, you know, I really hate what I'm doing. I don't like it at all, I don't enjoy it, and I don't want to do this the rest of my life. It's not what I want to give my life to. Uh, so, you know, what is God's will is really an important question. And today we're starting this series, Divine Direction, and we're going to, our goal for this is to equip you to be able to determine what God's direction is. So you're not left, you know, guessing at what God wants. And in learning, how to, or, or in learning how to know how God is directing you, you'll be able to minimize regrets because you'll be better equipped to hear what God is saying, to hear what He's speaking to you, and to see what He's doing. Before we get much into this series, though, into the nuts and bolts of it, I want to start today just by talking about uh, a couple of foundational truths that underlie everything that we're going to talk about the next few weeks. This is, these are underlying truths. If we get this wrong, what I'm talking about today, if we get it wrong, then we've totally missed the boat. But if we get it right, it will undergird, shore up, and empower everything that we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. We could miss it on everything else, but if we get this right, we'll be okay. So are you ready? 
Here's the first thing. God cares about who before do. He cares about who before do. Before we can figure out what God wants us to do, we have to first figure out and recognize who God wants us to be because the doing comes or flows from the being. So he cares about who we are before he cares about what we do. And I want to start then with 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3. It's kind of a confusing verse. See if you can follow what he's saying. God's will is for you to be holy. <laughs> Confused? No. He puts it out there pretty plainly. Paul says it as plain as can be. He says God's will is for you and for me to be holy. Now the Greek word that, co- that that comes from has the idea of being set apart or being different. As people who follow Jesus, we are to be different than the world around us. We're not to just blend in like everybody else, like the rest of society. We are to have different values. We have different practices uh, than those who don't follow Jesus. The things we pursue are, you know, should be different than the things that the world pursues. As followers of Jesus, our goal is not success, wealth, power, or popularity. That's not our end goal in life. Those things are all fine, but it's not our end goal in life. There's nothing inherently wrong with them. It's just not our goal. Many people base all their decisions on what is going to make them happy in life. Say, I'm going to decide this because, you know, and we even tell people, so, well, I could do this or I could do that. Okay, well, what would make you the happiest? What would make you happy doing this or that? That's not our goal. That's not what we are after. And the ironic thing is, when we make happiness our goal, we end up missing it. We end up empty. We end up frustrated. We end up unfulfilled. But if we make becoming like Jesus our life's goal, then we find we end up finding happiness as a byproduct because it's not based on temporary things that just offer empty promises. But we find true happiness when we make our, our life's goal to be more and more like Jesus. That's where we find the joy. That's where we find the fulfillment that we long for. Because we were created to be like Christ. Now, it's back to the word holy for a minute. The form of the Greek word that's used here indicates action rather than a quality or attributes. It indicates action. So Paul is, is talking about the way we live our lives. He's talking about the way we conduct ourselves. He says he wants us to live our lives in a manner which conforms to the character of Jesus. Live our lives in a manner that conforms to the character of Jesus. The, 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 that, uh, God wants us to live like that because... That matters way more to him than whether we choose a career as a business person, a tradesperson, a career in the military, with service industry, ministry, social work, whatever else you choose. It matters way more that, uh, that we, the, the way we conduct ourselves in whatever career we choose. You know, God's called me to be a pastor. That's what he wants me to do. 
But above all of that, he wants me to live faithfully for Jesus. And it would be better for me to do anything else with integrity than to be a pastor without it. Got that? He would be better for me to do anything else with integrity than to, than to be a pastor without it. God cares way more about how we live our lives than the career we choose to pursue. So before asking, what does God want me to do, which not a bad question at all, we should ask that. But before that question, we should ask, who does God want me to be? What kind of person does God want me to be as I pursue what he wants me to do? Second thing, God cares about the why before he cares about the what. He cares about the why before the what. In other words, <clears throat> God is concerned with our motives, with our heart. Proverbs 16.2 says, You may think everything you do is right, but the Lord judges your motives. We may think everything we're doing is, is the right thing, but we have this uncanny ability to deceive ourselves and to somehow justify our own actions so that we are really doing what we want to do. You've heard the old saying, there are two reasons why you do something. There's a reason you tell everyone, and then there's the real reason. And I think there's a lot of truth in that because we can justify just about anything or make just about any, almost any decision sound right. Sometimes we can be pretty good at disguising our real motives from people. In fact, sometimes we can be so convincing that we even fool ourselves sometimes. But God is never fooled. He always knows. He sees the deepest places in our hearts and he knows our true motives in all things. He's much more concerned about why we do the things we do than he is about the actual things we do. <clears throat> I was reading yesterday in 2 Chronicles, and um, just to give you a little background for this, um, after King David was, you know, had died, you know, he'd rule, ruled all of Israel, and after he died, his son Solomon became king, okay? And God promised to Solomon... You walk in my ways, you, you, know, you do all of that, you, 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 know, you, you follow me with your whole heart, and you know, everything's yours, the kingdom, your, your, your kingdom will last, and you know, all of this stuff. Well, he started out okay, but then he drifted from God. So God told him that God wasn't going to take the kingdom from him um, uh, in his lifetime because, because of the promises that he made to, to his father David. But after him, after him, ten of the or, or eleven of the tribes were taken away from uh, from the rule and and ta uh, taken away from um, from Solomon's son. So there's a divided kingdom. You've got the northern uh, kingdom, which is the kingdom of Israel. Then you've got the southern kingdom, which is Judah. Okay, and as you go through, you know, Kings and Chronicles and that, you read through. All of, about all the different kings that came about in, in the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom of, of Judah. And, you know, the, you had good kings and bad kings. Now, in the northern kingdom, all you had was bad kings. 
They were taking people away from the Lord. In the southern kingdom, you had a mix. You'd have, you've had bad kings that, that lead people away from the Lord. You'd have good kings that bring about uh, some restoration. Well, Hezekiah was a good king. And the nation had drifted so far from God, but he was bringing in, re- he was bringing in reforms and he was leading the nation back to God. So he, 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 he comes up one day, he says, you know, we haven't, we haven't uh, observed the Passover. We haven't celebrated the Passover for years. It's been a long time since we've done that. And they were supposed to be doing that to, every year to commemorate what God did in delivering the Israelites from, uh, from Egypt, from slavery in Egypt. So, you know, he said, we haven't done this in years. We need to start doing it again. So they, they set the date. I think they were like a month later than what they should have been and so forth. But the problem with that is that there were certain requirements you had to do to get ready. And there were, there were things you had to ceremonially do to purify yourself, ceremonially to cleanse yourself, to, to celebrate the Passover. There had things that had to be prepared, and there wasn't time to do all of that. So reading in 2 Chronicles 30, verse, starting in verse 18, it says, Most of those who came from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulun had not purified themselves. Now, these were people that lived in the northern kingdom that, that had come because they wanted to, to, to get back to the Lord. They wanted to. Said they had, they had not purified themselves. But King Hezekiah prayed for them, and they were allowed to eat the Passover meal anyway, even though this was contrary to the requirements of the law. For Hezekiah said, May the Lord who is good pardon those who decide to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors, even though they are not properly cleansed for the ceremony. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah's prayer and healed the people. Interesting. Interesting story. Because here's something where the people's heart was set after following God. Hezekiah's heart was set after bringing the nation back to the Lord. And, and you know, the, 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 the thing that we see here is the fact that, you know, God saw Hezekiah's heart. He saw the people's heart. And he saw that they were, you know, wanting to come back to the Lord. And that mattered a whole lot more to, to the Lord than following the ritual purifications and all, of the, and all of that that went with it. He looked at their heart. God cares more about the why than the what. He looks at our heart and he sees when our heart is fully set on following the Lord. And we may get some things wrong here and there, but when our heart is fully set on following the Lord, that's okay. That's why it's always good where your heart is. To watch where your heart is. It's always good to pray what David prayed in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me in the path of everlasting life. Now, that's a dangerous prayer to pray if you're not serious because it's giving God free reign to search your heart and to search your motives and to show you if you're getting the why wrong if the reason you're doing things is wrong it 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 gives god free reign to show that to us so when you pray it be ready for god to show you things that you may not want to look at or admit because we can never fool him 
But if our goal is to become more like Jesus, then it's a prayer that we must pray and pray often. As we search God's word with an open heart and ears and let his word search us. The writer of Hebrews says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. It exposes our motives. It exposes the why. See, when God searches our heart, he reveals uh, what's deep down in us. He shows us our true motives, and that's what we want because our motives matter to God, so we want to get that right. Jesus warned about you know, doing things like fasting and helping the poor and, and, and praying when we do it just to be seen by others or to somehow just earn points with God brownie points you know when we do it with the wrong motives he warned about doing those things with the wrong motives he said if our motive is to be seen by others we've already got a reward there's no more coming from him and paul said in galatians 1:10, he said i'm not trying to win the approval of people but of god if pleasing people were my goal i wouldn't be christ's servant He's not trying to get others' uh, others' approval. He's not motivated by that. His motivation is to get God's approval on his life. That's what his motivation is. He said, our motivation is never to look good in front of other people. It should always be just to please God. Someone said it once like this, always live for an audience of one. That's it. Always live for an audience of one because ultimately there's only one person that we should be concerned about pleasing. And that's Jesus Christ. And in the end, only his opinion matters anyway. And then Colossians 1, 3, or 3.17, Paul says, Whatever you do, or whatever you say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Whatever you do, Everything you say, everything you do as a believer, you are doing it as a representative of the Lord Jesus. It means that you're serving him by being his representative in everything. So represent him well. We've all walked into places of business before and found that an employee, an employee there was not representing that business well. Right? Had that experience? I remember one time we went to a pizza place in Ohio years ago. We walked in there. We sat down. Nobody else, I don't think any other customers were there, and the place was a mess. It took them 45 minutes to come and take our order. 45 minutes to take our And it's like, this is not busy at all. There might have been another customer. I don't know. The employees were not representing their business well. Wouldn't you agree? Contrast that with last Sunday. We went out to eat for Mother's Day. And by the way, if you ever plan on, you know, make this, you know, how busy it is after Mother's Day, if you, uh, um, I mean, on Mother's Day after church to go eat, uh, mark this down for next year. Uh, If you think like we did, Okay, we're going to wait and not go right after church and then not wait till the dinner hour 
we're going to wait till like a little bit later in the afternoon and then go because then nobody will be there, right? You're wrong. No, no, Mother's Day, it's busy, you know, open to close, that's it. So we went out to eat and we, you know, ended up busy, ended up waiting in that. And what, now when we go out to eat, let's, we're not the easiest crowd to, to seat and to serve, right? I mean, there's 11 of us, you know, and that 11 includes Drew, Okay. <laughs> If you've ever seen Drew at a restaurant, if you've never seen him at a restaurant, then you've never been in a restaurant where he's been anywhere near it. Um, he, um, you know, he sits on this person's lap, he sits on that person's, he stands, he crawls under the table, goes and sits over there with the kids, and then comes around. It, 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 it's a riot, but, you know, he takes after his father. Uh, <laughs> still having a hard time getting David to sit in one spot for rest. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, but, no, we... Okay, so we're sitting there eating, okay? A waiter walks by, and, you know, we're served. We're already, you know, being taken care of by somebody else, you know, doing real well. But the waiter walks by, and somebody, I forget who it was, but somebody at our table said, that's the waiter we had last time. That's the one we had the last time. He was good, and we all agreed. We all remembered him. The last time was almost two and a half years ago. You know, we went there to eat after, after my dad had passed. Um, we all went there to eat, and, and, and that's the last time we'd all been there, I think. But that's the waiter that waited on us. Now, why did we remember him? Why did we recognize him from almost two and a half years ago? Because he did such a good job of representing the company. We are to represent Jesus well so that when people see us, they see our manner of life, they see our conduct, they see enough to make us stand out and, and, and know that, you know, there's something different about that person. I never hear them talk negative about people. You know, I never, I never you know, see them doing this or doing that. It's like, you know... They're living it out. When our motive is to please Jesus and we faithfully represent him to the world, we don't have to worry about doing the right things because whatever it is that we're doing, we'll be doing the right way with true motives. And if our goal is to please Jesus, we may not hit it a whole hundred percent of the time, but we're going to hit it more and more all the time when that's our goal. Because when we ask Jesus, you know, we, we tell him, I just want to please you, he's going to lead us in the right way. If we're just concerned about doing the right things and if the reasons are wrong, the motives are wrong, we're not going to be doing so many right things because our heart's not going to be right. And he looks at our heart. Doing anything with the right motives is much more important to God than doing the right things with the wrong motives. So this morning, if you're asking the question, what does God want me to do? Step back from that question a minute. Don't throw it out, but just stack, step back from it for a minute and ask, who does God want me to be?
What kind of person? What kind of parent? What kind of spouse? What kind of son? What kind of daughter? What kind of brother? What kind of sister? What kind of employer? What kind of employee? Whatever it is, whatever role you want to look at, what kind of follower of Jesus? See, here's the thing. If you are becoming the right who, God will help you choose the right do. And if you're driven by the right why, God will lead you to the right what. So start with that. Focus on the who and focus on the why. You'll find the rest of it just falls into place. Becoming the right who begins with the decision to follow Jesus. That's where it starts. We are never going to be the person that God created us to be and wants us to be and knows that we can be if we don't first come to Jesus and put our faith and our trust in him and say, I'm going to follow you. There's no power in a life without that. There's no way you can do this on your own. So if you've never made that decision, if you're ready, you can make it now. Everybody close your eyes and bow your heads. If you're ready to make that decision, say, you know, I want to follow Jesus. Jesus.